0: We have two readings this morning. Our reading is Jonah chapter one, verses one to five, and also Jonah chapter three, verses one to five. And the reading can be found on page 928 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the, ship, into the sea to lighten the ship. And our reading continues in Jonah chapter three, verses one to five. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God, a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Why don't we pray together as we uh, begin? Gracious Father, we pray that as we look at your words now together, that you'd help us to understand it. We We might see you afresh, your character afresh this morning. Uh, wherever we've come from, where, wherever we're at, uh, spiritually, emotionally, lift our eyes, we pray. Amen. Uh, we're going to take a look. Now, we have been working through um, the book of Jonah, as you may uh, know if you've been with us. Um, you might know as well that what we usually do each week um, is we take a passage and we um, try and uh, sort of unpack that and see what it's telling us about God and who he is and his character. Um, and what we're going to do this morning having done that through the book of Jonah over the past four weeks is we're going to try and do that with the book as a whole um, we're going to take the book as a whole step back look at it um, and try and unpack a couple of things and pick up some of the threads that we've had and say what is it we can say uh, about who God is and our understanding of ourselves from looking at it as a whole um, and one of the reasons for doing that is there's Uh, There's one thing in particular that you you really get when you step back and look at Jonah as a whole, that you perhaps don't get as we go through week by week. Um, And that is this that I'm going to try and unpack and explain for us um, initially. It is that Jonah, the book Jonah, tells the same story twice. It tells the same story twice over. It's in two halves, four chapters. Chapters one and two, three and four, two halves. And it tells the same story twice. And you heard some of it just where we read those openings again. Uh, let me show you what I mean. So, both halves begin with the word of the Lord, where the Lord came to Jonah, chapter one. Then, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, chapter three. He's given a message that he's to pass on. Um, so, you're to go and preach against uh, Nineveh um, in verse two, chapter one. Um, and in verse two of chapter three, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. He's given a message, both halves. Um, Jonah then responds to that uh, instruction. In the first half, famously, he runs away, goes in the other direction, gets on a boat and tries to flee. Uh, In the second half, he responds and he obeys, he goes. He goes to Nineveh uh, and makes the journey there. Um, In both halves, what happens next is unbelievers, Respond to this message that there is uh, so you firstly the sailors do you remember in chapter one the story of the sailors They uh, they're very afraid and they start throwing cargo over they start praying to their gods They start talking to Jonah about what's going on uh, They respond to this message in chapter 3 the second half the Ninevites They respond they say gosh, we should do something about this. They put on sackcloth They're ashes. They, they respond to what they've heard What happens then is in both halves? The unbelievers, as it turns out, respond better than Jonah does. The sailors actually, uh, they begin to pray. They, they, they really want to discern. They're very spiritually alert. They want to know what's going on. They ultimately pray to the Lord. Uh, in the um, second half, the Ninevites, they say, who knows? God may respond. They, they take it seriously. They repent. The whole of the city is engaged in that process. The unbelievers respond in better ways than Jonah has done. And then each half ends as Jonah is taught about grace and mercy. And he's taught about it first through the fish, and then he's taught about it in the second half through the plants. Something uh, uh, in the natural world that God uses to teach Jonah about his grace and his mercy. And when you now this, this has been noted and sort of you know written about um, uh, when you see it when you stand back and see it, you can see the Book of Jonah effectively tells the same story twice why why would you do that why would you tell the same story twice now in fact I'm gonna get just 10 seconds 15 seconds Why don't you turn to something nearby or you can ponder it on your own if you want to but if you're somebody nearby why on earth would you tell that same story twice why why would you do that Uh, just for 10 seconds with somebody nearby or you can just go I I, I've never even seen that before Um, okay there you go that was all you had Uh, pens down close your papers um, I know it's exam season why is it now it might be the answer you came up with was because Well, the writer just didn't have much material, so he was like, well, we'll just do a sequel, a bit like Netflix does, and turns out. it might be that, you know, well, I thought that the first half was pretty good, so let's just tell it again in a different way. Why does it tell the same story twice? A couple of reasons that we're going to unpack this morning. And the first is this, that it takes time for Jonah to grasp God's mercy. We're going to see the same story played out twice, because actually, at the root of all of this, it takes time for Jonah to understand to grasp God's extraordinary mercy Um, and we'll come on and think a little bit about how much he benefits from God's mercy without even realizing it in just a bit but firstly it takes time it takes time to grasp God's mercy a couple of different ways you see that he gets different experiences of mercy when you stand back and look at the book as a whole different experiences of mercy so there's the fish Um, and the plant are both ways in which he has helped shown grace and mercy they're different experiences the fish is like a kind of sledgehammer you know it's really it's big it's loud it's noisy Um, the, the plant in the second half is more like a surgeon's scalpel it's subtle clever gets under your skin the fish And the plant the fish is the kind of well it's he's he's gone into this storm he's thrown into the water you know uh, Jonah in chapters one and two finds himself in the water he describes it in chapter two seaweed wrapped around my head I you know I thought I was going to die I was in the depths it was dark Um, it was terrible and the fish is the big rescue it's you know uh, blazing lights fish comes along swallows him up spits him out it's an enormous uh, kind of scene of rescue it's a big show of mercy that kind now some of you here may know that kind of thing you may have sense Look, there have been points in uh, in your life where you have been you have sensed some kind of delivery uh some kind of rescue some kind of um uh, protection whether it was from death whether it was from some great difficulty uh or even a, a sort of you know an event in your life a discovery or whatever it might be i could say you know i, I would say I, ha- I have some sense of that Uh, A discovery, a a, a finding out in your own life that actually God has been uh, marvellously, amazingly, massively at work, even though you didn't realise it. It's kind of a big rescue. And you kind of, you, you step back and you go, wow, that's the kind of God there is who can do this kind of thing. The plant, that's the big event, the plant is the small mercy, the smaller thing. Uh, the, the momentary comfort, or the smaller comforts that, that we have, we don't almost perhaps realize how important they are to us until they're taken away. You remember the plant, second half of the book, the plant grows up, Joan's very pleased about it, it's there, it's giving him shade, he's blessed by it, then it gets taken away and he's very cross about it. Why have you taken that away? He didn't even realize that it was a kindness and a mercy. The, the plant is like the little thing that we think we deserve. We were chatting about this in our house group this week, Talking about um, kind of what, what kind of things like uh, are like this. Something that, that, that kind of happens. It's there. You don't even realize it's there. But if it were to be taken away, you'd be livid. Someone said, "House prices. House prices. House prices are always going up. They need to go up. Of course they do, because it gives us comfort and security. Were well, house prices to go down. Now I would start to be cross. Now I would start to be angry," said someone. We realise that it's a mercy and a comfort until it would taken away. And um, I was thinking about other examples. You see, this a lot in the news this week. Holidays. Holidays are a great example of this. Holidays are a good thing. They're a great blessing to us. The idea that your holiday might get ruined or canceled is enough to, to put people in an absolute rage. Absolute rage, because we think we're entitled to a holiday. It's just always been there. We always deserve it. But if it's taken away god what are you doing i needed that Do you see the plants it's a different experience of mercy it's a kindness it's a comfort it's there it's when we it's taken away then that we find we rage different experiences of mercy different voices of mercy jonah hears different voices of mercy the storm and the gentle questions uh, first half it's a storm it's loud it's noisy raging it's terrifying but in one sense you know where you are with that you know that you're in trouble you know you need to cry out to the Lord's the storm you know leaves you in no doubts it kind of says "Look, get on your knees pray you know that you need the Lord's the gentle questions of chapter 4 do you remember when the, uh, the the whole of chapter 4 we thought about this last week is this dialogue with God where he just asks the most probing questions and it leaves them hanging. The gentle questions I think are, <laughs> I suspect these are probably worse in some ways than the storm. Uh, the thing that sort of nags away at you when God says, Why are you so angry about that? Why are you so angry about that? What has really got to you, Paul, that you are so cross that that has happened? What are you clinging on to in this world that you think is yours that is making you so cross? You see, the gentle questions, that's a different voice to the storm. But both are part of God's mercy and how he shows it to Jonah. Do you see, as you stand back, two halves. The Bible is so rich. The story of Jonah, I love, love, love the story of Jonah. And the book is so rich. And other writers have commented on how it maps onto the story of the prodigal son that Jesus tells. The two halves. So remember that table that we had the two halves, actually map onto the experiences of the younger and the elder brother in the story of the prodigal son. First half, Jonah who runs away, um, gets into a you know, mighty storm, fish, it's all, it's all big and you know blockbuster. That's the story of the younger brother who wants to go away. It all goes wrong. It's a disaster. And you know, tearing your hair and then he's there with the pigs and he needs to figure out what he's going to do. And he turns and it's, it's all of that. Second half of Jonah, it's like the experience of the older brother. Do you Remember the older brother who'd stayed uh, and then he got cross because there'd been mercy showed to the younger brother. He was outside the camp, outside the home. Jonah ends the book outside the city. He has a dialogue with the father. Jonah has a dialogue with God. It ends where we don't know what the older brother thinks. We didn't know what Jonah thinks to, the, to the, the final question that God gave him. The older brother is there and God's saying, why are you so angry? And we don't know exactly what the older brother makes of it. We don't know whether he comes back. See, actually the richness of, of how God's mercy works. You, see, you can map those onto there. What is it saying? Why is it saying all this? What is it telling us? It's telling us that understanding God's mercy, it takes time takes time, it takes a lifetime, really. Uh, it takes time, it takes time, you, you run the same story twice, Jonah is, it, whether he's any the wiser at the end, I don't really know. But it takes time, no one plums it uh, the full depths the first time around. Taylor Swift uh, was on uh, television this week, um, now I guess she's always on television, but she's, you know, she's on television because she gave the commencement speech at New York University. Um, If you get to watch it, it's quite fun. Um, And uh, they gave her an honorary doctorate. um, And uh, um, she said she thought it was because um, she's written a song called uh, 22. um, And it was 2022. Um, uh, It's quite fun. She talks, uh, she gives them some wisdom and advice. You know, lots of critics then come in and want to kind of criticize her. But she put her finger on something that I thought was really interesting and quite um, uh, uh, true. She talked about the fact that she was talking to these... Graduates, you will all look back, she said, at some point, and you'll look back in your life now, and you will cringe at yourselves. You'll look back and you'll cringe. She said, of course you will. I said, she does. And she said, that is part of you. You will look back and you'll cringe about things. And in a sense, you see, understanding God's mercy and what it's like, and it takes time. Do I, I'm 45, do I look back 20 years and think I cringe about some of the things I did or didn't understand about God's mercy and His grace? Yes, I do. Will I, in 20 years' time, if I'm 65, the Lord allows, will I look back and cringe on what I don't fully understand now? Yes. We don't plumb the depths of God's grace and extraordinary mercy. We don't sort of box it up and, and, and tie it together. It's a lifetime of learning and of understanding uh, what he's done for us. And it's why I think that it makes um uh the second thing that we're going to look at all the more astonishing almost all the more amazing in some ways. So Jonah takes time to grasp God's mercy but Jonah benefits from mercy way before he understands it. Second thing, Jonah benefits from mercy way before he understands God's mercy. And um, let me tell you what I mean. So I've said the story runs through twice and in one one sense you get to the end of the story and not a lot has really changed. Tim talked about this last week. We expect a character in a story. We expect them to develop and grow and learn things and kind of, you know, make some great uh, discovery about themselves. But actually by the end, I don't think we're in much of a different place than where we started. Uh, We might remember a couple of points um, which were, uh, where Jonah's uh, mercy seemed, his understanding of God's mercy seemed really tricky to get a hold of. Chapter two, Jack talks about this at, um, when we were looking at his words in chapter two and his kind of praise of thanks, a uh, psalm of praise and thanksgiving. Near the end, verses eight and nine, he describes how there's there's those people over there and they cling to idols, but I I praise you, God. So I'm somebody I'm over here and I deserve mercy I'm the kind of person who does the right things and I deserve mercy and of course there's still those over there who really don't deserve it they cling to idols but he's got these kind of two categories of people but by chapter 4 where you think he might have grown and understood by the, at the beginning of chapter 4 remember verse 3 he says that he's so cross at God for showing mercy to the Ninevites he says, I knew you were like this I knew you were gracious and compassionate and you let me down and go and do what you do which is forgive people because there are those over there they don't deserve mercy and they shouldn't have it of course i should because me and my pals we are the kind of people who deserve it and he's still by the end of the book he's still got the same two categories those who deserve it and those who don't when we can see what that shows us that actually in the midst of that, if he doesn't really change his view, if he doesn't really grasp very much, Jonah yet yeah, all the way along has been benefiting, benefiting from God's mercy even though he doesn't grasp it. Let me give you a couple of, uh, couple of quick ways that you see that happen in the book. Think for a moment about what God doesn't count against Jonah. What is it God doesn't count against him? You could list them. Uh, well, his rebellion, his outright disobedience first of all. The fact that he, you know, God says go here, and he says no, I'm going to go over there. Um, His arrogance in the face of God. Well, God obviously you don't know him as much as I do, so I'll be I'll be dictating this one. His nationalist pride, an awful lot of that sense of who deserves mercy and who doesn't is based around we're God's people, we deserve mercy, they aren't, they don't. The kind of nationalist pride in him, God doesn't count that against him. Uh, his lack of thankfulness when he gets given a plant or when he's rescued by the fish when you know the sort of uh, his petulance in the face of god's does god wipe him out for these things he doesn't just sort of turn around and go well i won't have anything to do with you in fact the whole book is basically saying okay jonah reset second chance let's go again is that remarkable he doesn't count those things against him he doesn't say i can't be dealing with you anymore he says actually let's go again Jonah but what Jonah receives from God well he gets you know a remarkable rescue uh, you know fish shows up to, to, to save him he gets the, the benefit of the uh, the plants he gets in lots of ways remarkable success as a prophet like there's really nobody else I think who has as much success as a prophet um, as Jonah does in terms of going giving a message everyone repents if career advancement could have been his he could have come back and said well like my my track record is really quite good Um, uh, you might want to employ me again Um, but he doesn't but he receives this remarkable success he receives protection in Nineveh this place of violence um, where you know the Lord looks after him he has his own he gets his own little place outside the city with a view of the city you know there's there's so many things that Jonah is benefiting from you see the blessings that he's shown even while he doesn't understand that he's getting them, even while he uh, doesn't grasp that he's getting them, um, I was in Aldi. There's an Aldi down the road, uh, not that long ago, about a month ago or so. And as occasionally happens in Aldi, I was at the checkout, and then occasionally things start to kick off somewhere. And uh, somebody was very cross and getting very angry as a guy, and he decided that somebody had uh, kind of looked at him in the wrong way and wanted to start a fight and Uh, And he was shouting about his rights and things that should be happening and shouldn't be happening. And, you know, I I, I got to watch a a wonderful, patient, gracious uh, retail assistant shop worker kind of take him outside to the doorway and just talk and listen to him as he kind of carried on his spiel about what had gone wrong and why why this shouldn't have happened. And the guy just listened to him and talked to him and was happy for him to come back in the shop when he calmed down. And I left as I was was near the checkout, so I heard most of it going. I was going out, and I thought, you, this gentleman, did not know the grace and the kindness and the patience he was being shown even while it was happening, even while he was demanding this and crying out for that. And I thought, you don't know, you don't realize how much grace you are being shown right now and the fact that the guy is willing to bring you back in if you'll calm down. It's just... Jonah is here. Jonah benefits from God's mercy way before he understands God's mercy. And the book in lots of ways just shows us and exposes how unmerciful Jonah is. How much he's kind of like, "Me and my people, we deserve mercy. Them and theirs, they don't." And yet he's been shown mercy all along. Now, do you know why? So we come kind of, let's pull this together. Why that is such good news. Do you know why that's such good news? It's not how good your grasp is of mercy of God's mercy that saves you it's not how good your grasp is your understanding of mercy it's not how good that understanding is that saves you it is the one who is merciful it's the one who is merciful it's God in Christ who comes and dies and rises on our behalf as As he you know you think about the the new testament you think about how little the disciples understood what was going on how much they got wrong and yet he was there to show them mercy how much as they stretched out his hands and nailed through them and put him on a cross and he was doing it to show them mercy and they didn't grasp it it's not our understanding of mercy it's not how well we grasp it it's not how kind of tightly uh, we've, we've got it all bound up that saves us it's the one who's merciful the one who came God in Christ came and died and did everything that was needed for us that we might know God we might have free forgiveness we might be shown and enjoy that mercy and enjoy him forever it's him it's not staked on how well you understand and grasp it as we we uh, we heard uh, from the Wilsons and as they as they go out and they try and take that message and they offer Christ, and they offer that message of mercy to those who won't necessarily even begin to understand it. As we around us might might know people who have no idea of it, and yet we can offer that mercy to them. Let me leave you with this question to ponder: um, We all here, and not everyone here by any means may necessarily call themselves a Christian. We all here will have a worldview. We'll have a We'll have a worldview or a set of principles a set of beliefs uh, some commitments that we have to things we'll all have that let me leave you with this question does your worldview does your set of beliefs does it accommodate those who don't live up to its standards do they does it accommodate those who don't live up to its standards because the message of Jonah can you see the book of Jonah is about God's mercy and his kindness to one who, who barely seems to have grasped it any more by the end than he did at the beginning. Who fails left and right in lots of ways. And yet God's mercy is big enough to bring in, to relate to, unmerciful Jonah. Doesn't that knock you out at times? I wonder, does your, does your belief system, does your... Is your worldview can it accommodate those who can't live up to its standards? Because Christ came and died and said, I, di- "I came to die for you. I came to die that you might know forgiveness, even though you have no idea that you need forgiveness." It is the the wonder of the gospel?